I can't say that house music was a staple over the airwaves or on DJ sets in the Caribbean when I was growing up. However, I do remember hearing the pulsing rhythms and deep steady bass lines on TV and sometimes in stores. What was this music? It made me feel happy the way soca music did, but it sounded so different. As the 90s dawned upon us, I heard this genre more and more, but how could I get my hands on this music? My local record store, Ellie's, was stacked to the ceiling with offerings from every calypso, soca, reggae, dancehall, and hip-hop artist that you could imagine. But this thing, this music that I had fallen in love with, proved elusive. What was it even called? The preteen me had given up. One day, that would all change. There it was, a commercial on TV advertising a CD with several tracks from this mysterious music, Dance Mix USA. Living on a British island, I could not simply ask my mom to dial the 800 number on the screen. There was no access to such numbers from our territory. The solution? My aunt, who lived in the United States Virgin Islands, could source it. After months of waiting, it arrived. I popped it in my dad's stereo system and turned those Iowa speakers up to their max. I liked all of the songs, but there was something about track number eight that grabbed hold of me. Gypsy Woman by Crystal Waters. I was in love with this song. I would not hear from Crystal Waters again until sometime later when she dropped 100% Pure Love, an absolutely infectious record that captivated the world and shot to number one in several countries. By this time, I had discovered that this music that I was enamored with was called house music. I was a fan of it and an even bigger fan of Crystal Waters. With her writing and vocals, she has caused many to fall in love with house music. Over the years, the internet has allowed me to follow her work and not miss a beat or a hit. When I created this podcast, I had a list of persons outside of my network whom I really wanted a chance to interview. A list of persons whose work I admired deeply, but whom I thought would probably not respond to my invitation. Crystal Waters was on that list. To the contrary, she responded and obliged. Not only is she a phenomenal artist, but she is truly a phenomenal person. This is the story, thus far of the legendary Crystal Waters. I am Crispin Brooks, and this is Planet 30. She is a dance music icon, a multi-platinum selling legend. Crystal Waters, welcome to Planet 30. Well, thank you for having me. My goodness, like like I said, I'm I'm trying not to fan out here. This is uh this is quite the honor. Thank you. So why is it called why is it called Planet 30? Ah, Planet 30. <laughs> I just <laughs> like, hmm. I'll keep I'll, I'll I'll keep on recording. Usually I'd stop for this, but so, <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> you're the first guest to ever ask me this question. <laughs> Oh, Planet 30 came for, this was supposed to be a blog when I was 30. Uh, I, I, um, I told my mom, you know, there's, 
I want to do this blog because I feel like I'm on a different planet because <laughs> I'm <laughs> young enough to appreciate that new Lil Wayne song, but I'm old enough mm-hmm. to start thinking about my a mortgage and a house and where I'm going to invest, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I just didn't find, I couldn't find a publication that spoke to both. Okay. You know what I mean? So I felt like Planet 30 was this weird space to be in. Um, okay. Where I wasn't immature, but I wasn't quite that mature. And um, mm-hmm. that's where the name came from. And so I kind of took the theme to um, the podcast. And now I interview legends like yourself. But I also mm-hmm. give a, a, a chance for aspiring artists and, and, and you know across all forms of art. And I interview them. So the whole theme of Planet 30 is aspiration meets inspiration. Okay. So that's where the name comes from. All right. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Not at all. Not at all. I'm happy you asked. Like I said, you're the first person to ask me a question. Crystal, growing up and touring, you said you had a deep love for airplanes and just traveling. How are you surviving COVID, given that fact? <laughs> well, I tell you, you know, at first it was really a big adjustment. I've been on the road nonstop since basically 1991. Um, and, I, you know, I have dancers that go with me and we were talking and it just, it just felt like your body is just so used to packing a suitcase, unpacking <laughs> and, you know, getting ready because that's my work. So it took a little adjustment, you know, but I, like I, I was, you know, I was working really hard because I, I have, you know, several businesses and I, I was really working for my morning to night and I was like wait a minute you have off this is the first time you've had off in over you know 25 years so you know I decided just this last month is to start chilling a little bit just you know to enjoy because you know I guess this will be over at some point I was yeah I was gonna ask you about that is this your is this your first time you know like in over like like you said in 25 years to really rest for a month or two you know, summer is high season for, you know, shows and you know, artists and gigs. You know, I'm most, you know, all the gay prides that I do are from like May till October. So, you know, I got a, I got at least six figures wiped out. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you know, from the COVID. So I'm just being patient. It's probably the first summer that Europe has not seen you in a while. <laughs> exactly. And I haven't seen Europe. I was like, you know, you start to appreciate it a little bit more. Like, wow. You know, nice. <laughs> now, I know as a child you uh, travel a lot with your dad, who was a musician. Mm-hmm. And how mm-hmm. did the exposure to different cultures at that young age kind of shape you? I think um, I, I always tell, remember this time, this story. When my father had friends, um, they were Russian, and they were, I guess, they were on a Russian uh, ship. I don't know if it was an oil. It was a big, big ship, like an oil ship or something. And they invited us over for dinner. And, you know, my father told me that, you know, because I was black, that, you know, however I acted, whatever I did was going to represent the rest of the black community. So he was, he taught me how to, you know, when people offer you something, you say yes politely, even if you don't want it, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just, you know, just, you know, you know, that whole mentality really kind of stuck in my head. And I think that really helped me when I got older and was touring all different types of cultures. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad I got exposed to a lot of that, you know? Indeed. And, I mean, at that time, of course, not many children from the United States traveled as widely. Yeah. 
privilege. I, you know, <laughs> I, I don't. I really don't know. I, I, you know, I know none of my friends did. So, um, I think you know, I, I didn't realize at the time how valuable it was. The awesomeness of music. Mm-hmm. Tell us about growing up in such a musical f- family. The influences from your great aunt Ethel Waters, your dad. Was it sort of written in? Uh, you know, was it already written, or did you sort of have other dreams of, before you sort of realized that? Yeah, this is what I want to do. Um, no, I had no plans. It was, you know, I was a little kid. I saw all that stuff. My brother always had bands at the house. Um, a lot of musical family. I was really shy, so I just, I just now, you know, I always wanted to be, you know, you know, on TV like every little kid, I think. But it really wasn't until I got much older, you know, after I went to Howard. That I, you know, realized, you know, I always loved music. I would do things like make magazines, have, you know, cut, cut all the stuff out of the, the magazines and make my own magazine. I would do creative stuff like that. But singing and writing didn't come too much later. Mm. And other than your family, what was hot at the time? What were you listening to? What was the teenage Crystal listening to? Well, I grew up maybe when I was seven, eight with, you know, Jackson 5. Of course. And then when I, <laughs> when I got older, I would say teen years, I, I was, was Chaka Khan. It was, it was Prince. It was Gil Scott Heron. I love, I love singer songwriters. I remember that. I love Gil Scott Heron and Prince and Michael. You know, this is the older Michael. Um, that was, I always wanted to be able to sing like Chaka Khan. (laughs) (laughs) That realization that that wasn't going to happen came quickly, (laughs) but still that was, um, that was really, I think my teen years, you know, it was a lot of funkadelic around and stuff like that. Mm. But, uh. Now you're a very smart lady and you graduated (laughs) high school one year early. Um, (laughs) You got all your information together, huh? Oh man. (laughs) Welcome to Planet 30. Research. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> Got to use that Howard degree, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you graduated high school. Uh, you graduated uh, high school one year early. Now, if it wasn't music, what other career path uh, were you interested in? Well, when I freshman year at Howard, well, at least the first two months, <laughs> I was actually in the physical therapy department. But when we got there, first day they put us in the hospital. And I just could not stand the smell of <laughs> being in a hospital. So I, I, I quickly changed my major to computer science, where I um, minored in business, where I thought I would be a computer programmer, and which I thought I was really good at. I think the language is dead now. I was taught Fortran. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I I really enjoyed you know working alone and you know being with myself. So I think I think I could have kept that going mm-hmm. if I didn't. Crystal Waters, the, uh-huh. uh, the 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 tech entrepreneur, could have been. Yeah, could have been. <laughs> hey, it's not too late, you know. There's a different. Hey, my brain doesn't work like that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. How was how was your experience in general at Howard? I I always ask the Howard alum uh, alums this question, you know. I just think you know it's all hindsight at this point, but you know I met all the people that I met were really almost instrumental in you know forging my music career. Like like my attorney now, we were roommates at Howard. Wow. So, yeah, <laughs> and we always talk about because she knew she was going to be an attorney, but she didn't know what kind. And she, um, I think she was doing contract uh, work, and she hated it. 
And I came, you know, I had this contract with the Basin Boys I needed some work on. So she looked at it and I, she said that's the moment she decided she would switch to entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's doing very well with that. So we we, we have we have jokes about that. What what what, uh, what hall were you guys in? Oh, that was the uh, freshman sophomore year. Down in the quad somewhere. <laughs> they, when I first got there, I was in a Rombie house. You probably don't even know what that is. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was it used to be a hotel where the bookstore is. Oh now. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard of it. Yeah. It was yeah. It was a Harambe house. So the, we didn't have housing. Then finally, when I got moved over to Sutton on 13th Street which was so far from the campus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was rough some days getting over the campus, i tell you that much. In my um, day, there was, um, I actually got, I got accepted to the hall for my sophomore year in Meridian, which was on 16th. I know Meridian. And um, ended up getting a, a room in a house um, on the street, Gresham, right by the gym. So mm. that was a lot more convenient. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to get from, I mean, the buses are there, but. Well, you know, on on a, on a cold winter morning, yeah. the last thing you want to do is get out of that bed to go outside on a bus. Mm-hmm. So you know, in essence, your daughters say that you are super mom. <laughs> <laughs> what advice can you give to ladies who become moms and then think their dreams are all over? Um. Well, with my kids at the time, I think what I, you know, what I was taught. Well, you know, back when record labels used to do artist development, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, to be mommy, to be mom, and then then have another personality or, you know, that's Crystal Waters, the star that does all that stuff. And that kind of keep them separate. So you don't bring the job home, basically. And the kids aren't having any of it anyway. They just wanted mommy to take them to school. And, and that's what I did, feed them and. You know, I was very tired, but um, it, it can be done. You need a lot of help. Mm-hmm. Because you you really were cranking out number one hits at the time when you were a mommy. Yes. It was stressful. It was very, very stressful. The label would, you know, threaten me if I wanted to go home and didn't want to do something and, you know, if it wouldn't promote the record and then, you know, you have your kids crying, pulling on your leg on the other hand. So it's, it was a very stressful time. Mm-hmm. What was the mood like musically in the late 80s? Um, I, I sense that there was a renaissance of black art across the boards, like, you know, 87, 88, 89, especially. Um, what was the general mood like? Uh, well, you know, I didn't come out to the 90s, but. Um, in late 80s, I just remember being a big fan of, like, Chardet, um, uh, what's the song? It was very R&B-ish, very moody, and it was, it was, um, um. The Chardet song? I just, I just love Chardet, all that kind of stuff. Very Smooth moody. Operator. A lot, of, a lot of British, a lot of British stuff. Um, you know, just that's, that's the era. It, it was like Bobby Brown with him. <laughs> a lot of R and B stuff. I'm trying to remember, really. You know, but that, no, but as you mentioned, you came out in the early '90s, and that was around the same time that "quote unquote" gangster rap was was on the rise, really. Um, yeah, it kind of because dance music happened. I, I know the '80s was you know, dance music was starting. It was more like compunction. It was kind of dancey, so R and B. 
And then, you know, the house movement was starting. And then in the 90s, you know, dance music kind of, you know, took over the radio. But, you know, the rap came in, say, around 94, 95, and just took over radio after that. That's when we got pushed back underground. <laughs> and, um, yeah, rap was really big. Because your record, Gypsy Woman, really took everything by storm and, and put house music into the mainstream. Like, you did that. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, really? You know, you don't know at the time, but people were like, you know, uh, Gypsy was the first commercial success of house music, you know, radio success anyway. But I, I don't think people knew that house music was already bubbling underground, was already happening. And um, but it did take it to, you know, radio for a while. But, you know, it was still happening. We just went back underground and kept doing what we were doing. Now, with, with, with a jazz background and really jazz vocals, <laughs> what, <laughs> what led you to house? Well, you know, like I said, child with my father was a jazz musician, so I would spend most of my time going through his albums. My favorite artist was Ethel, I'm not Ethel Waters, um, Ella Fitzgerald. So I always liked her, you know, she, when she sang, she smiled, no matter if it was a sad, a sad song or not. And I guess that's just what I learned from growing up, you know, from being around my father and family. So when I did start to write, um, I just basically used, you know, the jazz vocals I knew about and put it over. That's why the Basin Boys, you know, signed me because I took the jazz vocals and put it over, you know, the house beat. Wow, wow, wow. I mean, just the foresight to do that. <laughs> oh, I didn't have any foresight. <laughs> It's just a little innate, you know, it just happened. I mean, it's easy to look back on it like, wow, that's what was really happening. Um, I didn't have any foresight to do that. It was just, you know, who I was at the time. And the interesting thing about you putting these, uh, singing on these house beats was, I liken it to giving a kid candy before you have to give them their medicine. <laughs> <laughs> because many people didn't realize that Gypsy Woman was so socially conscious. Um <laughs> <laughs> the second yeah. verse is, in my sleep, I see her begging, pre mm -hmm. preaching, reaching, please. Reaching, reaching, please. They get the lyrics wrong on those sites. <laughs> uh, oh, is it reaching or preaching? It's reaching. Oh, and reaching, it's although, please. Although the fault is not mine, I ask God why. They get that line wrong all the time. Yeah. But yeah. And, and, and people just didn't realize that you were, this was this was like holding a placard on a beat. <laughs> Yeah, they didn't know it was a socially conscious song. They just, all they heard was la da dee, la da da. And it took a while um, for people to read. I remember they went back in and, and actually kind of changed the title on the on the vinyl. They put a sticker on there that she's homeless. <laughs> oh, no. It was all first it only said Gypsy Woman, la da dee, la da da. Did that frustrate you? Oh, yeah. Because I didn't like it. You know, there was a little frilly little, what would you call it? novelty song i was like no i'm kind of really trying to talk about what's going on in the world today so you know but then you know who would think that i, I would someone would dance to a song about a homeless woman so it's kind of a <laughs> glad we didn't think about it too much right 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 and gypsy woman uh came out on april 3rd 1991 okay your life was entire entirely changed wasn't it <laughs> Yeah, they kind of called. I didn't even really know it was out. <laughs> and they kind of called me and said I had a hit. And I was like, oh, okay. No, you didn't, have, you didn't have a hit. I you had, had a mega, number one in seven countries. I had, I had no idea. No idea. But it was fun. It was a whirlwind right after that. I was like, okay. 
All my bills got paid. Look, I didn't have to worry about rent. <laughs> the, so, yeah, it was nice. So you had no expectation. Like, you didn't think this would happen. Like, I thought maybe in the Baltimore, D.C. area, because that's where the music was playing. I had no idea that Europe was the big dance. You know, I don't think we even knew that it was really house music that was a genre unto itself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I just remember they first they put me into the R&B department. And one day later, they were like, no, you're going to pop. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go work with a whole different crew of people. And who, who were you signed to at this time? Mercury Records. Mercury. Okay. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. And but it, what, I guess it was it was a uh, production deal through the Basement Boys. Yeah, the Basement. Yeah, it was through the Basement Boys. Okay. Just for those who are aspiring artists, can you explain that uh, process, like how production companies attach to record labels and who has a say in what? Yeah, I don't know if they do it so much anymore, but. Basement Boys were a production team, and I was signed to the production team. And then the production team goes out and gets the record deal. So they do all the negotiations and things like that. So it was actually like a middle person, I guess you would say. Because I was signed as a songwriter. I thought I was just going to be a songwriter. But then I wrote, you know, a couple songs, and I ended up being the singer of the songs. Well, from, um, go ahead. I'm sorry. That's it. That's really That's really how it works. Well, from interviews, uh, one of the guys from the Basement Boys said the problem was nobody could sing the songs as well as Crystal. <laughs> I guess I think he meant in a way, you know, I guess the sound of my voice, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I think um, I think it's a special connection with um, people who write their own music. Like, you know, I, I, I can sing all my songs, but don't ask me to sing somebody else's. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's, it's an emotion behind it that I think he, you know, he's referring to. It's like, I meant what I wrote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, I remember um, coming up, I can I can pinpoint one other friend of mine. And I won't call his name. He's slated to be interviewed on Planet 30 as well. But we loved house music and dance music. Um, I remember my auntie sending me Dance Mix USA. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, as a gift because we couldn't get it in Anguilla. She had to send it from the U.S. Virgin Islands. And I remember us getting teased. People would say, you guys listen to that white folks music. Oh. And the, the interesting thing is, um, people say it nowadays, but a lot of the dance music, especially in the 90s, was made by black people. <laughs> I'm shocked people don't know that. It, it all started from the black community, the black and brown community. All house music, a lot of Hispanic people, black people, all all created that. And I'm getting shocked. People don't know that it's black music. Do you it ever hear of, that as well? Uh, yeah, it kind of reminds, especially when they changed the name to EDM. We were really upset because it reminded me of when you know, you know, black people were, wrote rock and roll. You know, it was R and B, and they came and stole it and call it their own. And it was just, you know, the gentrification of another genre of music. So it was, um, it's, you know, it's upset a lot of us. But we, you know, we still out there marching. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it, it's, it's so, it's so interesting, man. Like how, like I said, to this day, people say, you know, that's, that's European music. And, and you hear the African drums and house music? Are you serious right now? <laughs> yeah, they did it. But in the 90s, they were horrible at it. 
but they they listen and they learn um and they do it really good now the problem with the edm is that they drop the bass because they don't know how to do a proper bass line and that's why i think it lost some of the soul and that's now fading and every, now everyone's going back to house because you actually have to be talented <laughs> yeah and, 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 the, and the vocal the vocal as well on house music was deep and soulful and a lot of uh, EDM, the, the vocal is light. It's interesting. Yeah. They don't know how to produce them. I still sit here and work with these young guys, and I basically, you know, have to walk them through the process. And it's, you know, I said, I'm going to do it one more time. <laughs> show you one more time how this works. But, yeah, now, you know, a lot of them don't know how to work vocals. And, you know, if you go to a club and you hear a DJ that doesn't mix any vocals, it's basically because he doesn't know how to mix in vocals. Um, so it's a lot It's a lot to it. House music, boy, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Crystal, when it comes to house music, can you tell the audience how important this genre is? Because I don't think so, many people don't realize how big this thing is globally. Yeah, it's really huge. And it's, it is a community. Um, it's more than just the music, it's the feeling, they say house is the feeling, it's a very positive community, happy community, like when we work together, everybody's trying to help each other, there's nobody trying to cut each other's throat, um, and it's huge, it, you know, there's, there's people who have house hits in just, you know, certain countries that we don't even know about, um, it's, 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 I can't, I don't know how to explain how strong it is, I go to all the conferences and things like that, and, you know, hundreds of thousands of people come. And everybody wants to part of it and be a part of it. And they don't listen. These people don't listen to pop music. They don't want nothing to do with radio. There are some people who don't even like the fact that if a song crosses over the radio, you know, you kind of sell out. They want to be underground. They want to stay underground. They want it unique. And you really have to be a part of the community to really understand and hear all the new stuff that comes out. You only hear a pinch of what's out now on the radio. And a lot of it is just them imitating what we're doing in the underground. But mm. they, you know, they've got a, um, you know, they're young and they've got a record deal and they get to the radio for a short period of time. Like David Guetta, he's now back into the underground. He changed his name and he releases all this house music underground. He had to change his name because nobody was seeing him as street credible anymore, if you know what I mean. So. That, that, wow, I didn't, I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of them. They get really popular, and then they have to, you know, the community's like, you know, <laughs> you're just taking our stuff. And anyway, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of underground stuff going on. Who are some of the people uh, within the genre that that you like? Um, well, you know, I stick with my friends. I have to big give a big shout out to Eric Marilla who just passed the other day. That was just been devastating. Yes. Um, yes, yes, yes. He mixed, he mixed every one of my songs. Oh. And, you know, Dave Morales, uh, Frankie Knuckles, and my friends Anaya Day, Alternate Um, We all support each other. Um, I have my good friend Stonebridge. Um, I mean, I like a lot. I'm trying to think of some newer names. Like, I have a podcast, and I, I release a I get all the new stuff. Um, there's a lot of new kids out there doing it. I'm trying to think of a name that I can give you. But, I mean, even Armin Van Held is still putting out good stuff. Low Stepper is doing really good. I really like Low Stepper. Mm-hmm. Low Stepper is how he, how he spells it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's good in European. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's a lot of good stuff out, a lot of vocals. They're taking a lot of, like, 
they're taking a lot of like say old school vocals, like like an old Michael Jackson, you know, ten year old Michael Jackson, right? And doing remixes and stuff like that is really fun. Um, a lot of gospel stuff is out there that's really good. Okay. Um, yeah. Because the D, the DJs are so important to the genre. Um, going back to to my conversation with people when they always said to me, um, you know, that's not black music. I'll throw on like a Carl Cox video. <laughs> Tell me he's not black. <laughs> <laughs> but then they're like his sets are like so full of percussion. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, now you come and tell me what that is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, Krista, you went through an, an interesting incident, I, and we we won't say what it is, an interesting incident earlier in your career after Gypsy Woman, where it was sort of a, a you know, people being, as we say in Angola, bad-minded. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the question uh, um, that I'm Putting, piggybacking that uh, statement off of is, how does one get over something mentally and rise from the ashes? Because when you came back, you didn't come back with a moderate hit. You came back and just knocked their wigs off with that 100%. <laughs> well, we sweated through that. We, we knew we had to come back with something. So, you know, back then, people didn't know what house music was. And they was to say, you know, when are you going to do some real music? That's not real music. That's just a fad. You know, they just talked about it so bad. They just didn't understand it. Um, so we knew that when we came, I was determined not to be a one-hit wonder. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we we went through lots of tracks to make sure we had the one that was really going to, you know, be a follow-up and something. I, we didn't want to do exactly the same, you know, vibe. Because we didn't want it to be brushed aside as just a you know a mirror of Gypsy Woman, so it it, it took a lot of man. I'm gonna tell you, it wasn't easy. You have to stay strong. It's not easy, you know. I guess how you grow your thick skin though. You right. call a lot of names, and some make it, some just drop out. Say they had enough of it. Did Did um, it hurt more because it seemed to have like it seemed to be coming from your own people? Um, I think so. You know, even now, how dance music is more accepted in Europe, and you always still want your home to like it. But I'm like, at this point, <laughs> I can't. Cut the check. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I'm just going to keep on doing what I'm doing. If y'all don't get it, that's your problem. So. Right, right. Because, like I said, 100% pure love is the name of the track. Mm-hmm. It stayed on the charts for 45 weeks. I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah. Who does that nowadays? I don't know. <laughs> I think people still do it, but for for us back then, you know, you know, I was working really hard doing a lot of promo, and you know, I was working really hard with that song, so it paid off. And this is without Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I can't even imagine Facebook and Instagram. You, I mean, if there was a Facebook and Instagram back then, uh, can you imagine the margins? Oh my goodness, like. Yeah, the sales would have been crazy, you know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, what is your advice for aspiring artists when it comes to the business side of things, particularly um, when they're negotiating the contracts in terms of royalties? First of all, always have an attorney. I've seen too many people who think they can, you know, do it themselves. I still get contracts, and I still like. I don't know what I think it says. My attorney reads it. It's like, nope, that's not what it says. It says. I mean, you always have, even if, you know, people say they don't have the money, but those people that would do it pro bono, 
you just have to find, you know, somebody. I, you got to get an entertainment attorney. As for most of the people are doing 50-50 deals now, which means, say, if you're just like me, an artist and sang and wrote half the songs, that means you get 50% of the publishing, 50% of the royalties. So it's just kind of it's just really easy down the middle. It's, you always make sure you get your publishing. If you wrote it with somebody else, there's things online like split sheets that you can just download and work it out. I'm trying to think a lot of stuff is online now. But yeah, I, my big thing is keep your publishing. Don't give it away to nobody. <laughs> Fight for it. Because <laughs> that's where your money's going to come in. And, and by publishing, you mean your writer's share? Yeah. Got it. Got it. Now, Crystal, tell us about your records, United in Dance and Party People. All right. <laughs> you're going to skip, you're going to skip to now. <laughs> I just always like to mention that I had a really big hit called Destination Calabria. It went number one in just about every country except America. And, and it just, it just, you know, in the clubs you might notice. So it just, you know, I just always want to mention that to people to know that I was still doing stuff. That was 2008, you know. So now, you know, I had between then and now I've had, What's five, five consecutive number one Billboard chart songs? United the Dance went to number two. That's a song I did for uh, Gladys Pizarro. She used to be the A and R Strictly Rhythm, one of the main house music record labels in the nineties. And then Party People, we just did. What I did with um, DJ Spin, who used to be a part of the Basement Boys um, writing team back in the day. He actually did some production on like a hundred percent. So, you know, we, we connect. I didn't even realize he lived so close to me, but he sent me the track and it was so happy and positive, which is kind of what I had just written um, before this. I had a song with Hi Fi Song called Heavy that did really well. <laughs> hmm. um, and that was more, it was more about the world weighs heavy on my mind. Little did I know that COVID was coming. Um, so, this next song with Party People I wanted to do is spin with a happy, bubbly track. And it just, you know, it just kind of states of who we are, <laughs> especially us um, people who travel like the DJs and the artists and everything. Um, and we got, we released it in what, June, July, and we're just trying to figure out what to do with, because of COVID, if the DJs aren't playing yet. Right. We got some really big, we got Carl Cox on one of the remixes, Michael Dunn. So we're trying to hold out on the remix, maybe, you know, to get some more people you know, starting to work soon. So we're going to do the remixes probably at the end of September. Okay. Crystal, is there anything that you have not accomplished in music or business that you would still like to? Uh, yeah, you know, as a musician, you always want, you always want another hit. You always want to bring, you know, it just brings so much joy, not only to yourself, but everybody around you and the people involved. It's the whole process of, you know, writing and, you know, producing a song and getting together and getting it out. Um, I think that, that will never end. You know, I'm trying to think. Um, I've always wanted to write a song for someone else. <laughs> I know this sounds strange, but every time, you know, I work with a producer, I said, well, can we give this to... They're like, nope, I want you to sing it. You know? <laughs> and I just think it would be fun to um, hear someone else sing one of my songs that I've written for them. In your, in your head, do you have anybody uh, or maybe a few names that come to mind? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever I, they could be unknown. 
You know what I mean? I mean, that's why I have the record label. So I'm hoping, you know, I, I'll be able to do that at some point. Don't play. I got an artist I can send you. I'm, oh. I'm not playing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's so interesting that you, as a writer, never have really experienced somebody else singing your songs. That's interesting. Yeah. It started out like that, you know? <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Who or what inspires Crystal Waters? Who or what inspires? Um, well, I'm a spiritual person. I do a lot of inner work, a lot of um, meditation. So I go within to find it. You know, you can't, you can't spend your life depending on someone else to inspire you or make you get up and move. It might come, you know, it might come after you figure out what you want, but I feel like you have to go within it. To get what you really want out of life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> deep, 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 deep. What are some of your the uh, your favorite countries to visit? Because we know you tour the world. Yeah. Um. You know, I used to like Russia. <laughs> I used to work a lot in Russia. I know it sounds odd. I was about I, to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know the, you know the figurehead over there. No, but once you get there and meet the people. Um, but when was, once, once Obama, I was gone like all the time. Once Obama got in, that all stopped. Um, I love, uh, Estonia. Ah. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, and you know, it's not really a favorite. It's kind of like the people we meet. Right. Um, so some, it's more of that. Um, I mean, no, there's no place like home though, mm-hmm. to be honest. <laughs> which, which, which country parties the most, like when you get on stage, the reaction. Who has the wildest reaction to, to Crystal Waters? Oh, Wallace? man. There's a lot of them. There's some because, you know, they kind of break their neck to dance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. Uh, um, what's the, the country? Oh, I, it's like Berlin. There's like, um, not, not Serbia. Um, I can't think of it. But the, um, all the, they call them the hot-blooded countries, the Latin. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Italy and uh, places like that. It's just, and, and the UK, the UK loves house music. They're, they're, they have all kind of, in the summer, there's at least 10 house music festivals. I'm talking about a huge, like three or four tents, stuff like that. Right, right, right. What's your next big move, Crystal? My next big move. I'm just, you know, I'm working on the record label, which I'm enjoying. I'm doing everything. I, you know, you know, you write down your list. Um, Boyface, my skincare line, um, I'm enjoying that. I have my podcast, which keeps me in touch with all the new music and the newest, latest producers. I'm really hoping to, you know, to put that all together, like it's under Iron House umbrella and have the artists, have the podcast and maybe, you know, have, have the shows, like the festivals, kind of like what Defected does. They do their Defected parties, you know, all around the world. Mm-hmm. I would love to have a Iron House party, say in New York and Chicago and Miami. Shout out to your podcast. Where can we find it? What's the name of it? Um, it's called Iron House. Crystal Waters presents Iron House. It's on iTunes and Android. Um, I just put up a new podcast uh, Friday. It's really, really good. Yeah, you can find Boyface at boyfaceme.com. This is a skincare line for men. It's plant-based, clean. It's got no junk in it. It's good for your face. And then the record label is Iron House Records. We've had, I've been doing that for a year. We've gotten over a million streams on Spotify for some of our artists. 
So, and I'm enjoying that because I actually get to work with the artists, kind of mentor them. And, you know, we go through a track and we go back and forth to how to make it better. So it's it's a little more A&R involved than most, I think, record labels, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So when you're 105 years old and you're <laughs> kicking back in your rocking chair and you're overlooking the ocean, what would you like to say was that thing that you wanted to do and you did do? So what is Crystal Waters' ultimate goal? Ultimate goal. Ultimate goal. I mean, I think the ultimate goal is always just being in service to others. If you're talking about grabbing some big golden balls, <laughs> um, I don't really have that. I just really have the goal of, you know, you know, staying happy, being in my peace. That's really it. <laughs> doing what I love. I'm doing what I love. I don't have the stress of a nine to five. I think my only one goal is to have a, a beautiful home overlooking some water where I can just put my feet up when I want to. See, I knew it. That's why I said over the water. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say it? <laughs> now, Crystal, this is a portion of the podcast that I call The Planet Is Yours. I strap on my spacesuit. I jump in out into the I jump out into the atmosphere and I leave you on the planet all alone to tell uh-huh. the people whatever you want to tell them. If you want to give them some advice. Whatever. <laughs> um, I, I don't give advice unless it's asked for. Um, I just tell people, you know, be true to yourself. Take the time to go within. Um, be nice. Be nice to others. <laughs> but, you know, I just hope they, you know, join me on my journey. You know, follow me on Instagram. Um, support house music and the artists. You know, a lot of people are just giving the music away for free for now. So, you know, it doesn't cost you a dime to support people. But um, stay in love with the music. All right. And the most important question, you alluded to it just now. What is your contact information? Um, Drop your socials and everything. I'm just really on Instagram. I'm, you know, Facebook. I, I, I try to cut my screen time down. <laughs> So you can follow me on Instagram at Crystal Waters. My website is I am Crystal Waters. My email is, is on my Instagram site, but it's MissCrystalWaters um, at gmail.com. Uh, the label, if you have demos, is IAH Records, I am House Records. Demos at I am House Records, sorry. Demos at I am House Records.com. What else can I drop? I'm not on Twitter. <laughs> I'm on there, but I don't look at it. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, you got some songs you want to send in, contact me, hit me, DM me on Instagram and anything you want to do. You want to add my radio station to your, my podcast to your radio station, contact me. There's a lot of links on my Instagram, so probably just catch it all there. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, this was the legend herself. I can't stress that enough. <laughs> I want to thank you so much. For granting me the opportunity, little old me. <laughs> and you're very welcome. <laughs> Thank I you. Hope your pod- I hope your podcast goes into the stratosphere. Ah, I'm hoping. <laughs> <laughs> After this interview, it probably will. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. But uh, again, I just want to thank you so much. This is a dream come true to, to, to interview Crystal Waters, to sit and ask Crystal Waters some questions. Oh, that's great. You've done it. You checked that one off the list. Check that one off the list. Thank you so much for being on Planet 30. All right. Well, let me know when it's up. Will do.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Planet 30. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at OnPlanet30. Like us on Facebook.com slash Planet30. Our email address is OnPlanet30 at gmail.com. That's O-N-P-L-A-N-E-T-T-H-I-R-T-Y at gmail.com. For more information about Planet 30, visit our website, planet30.com. That's P-L-A-N-E-T-T-H-I-R-T-Y dot com. I am Crispin Brooks, and this is Planet 30.